Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Football Show. Coming up this week, we'll be hearing all about the new competition set to bring women's league football back to the island for the first time in nearly five years. We'll also hear from a former player who was at the centre of one of the most infamous episodes in English football history. And we'll have a look back at the weekend action. Rob Batiste is alongside me, Tony Kerr. Rob, how are you doing? Morning, Tony. Good to see you. Uh, Rob, let's start with the weekend action. Now, we had a few Jeremy Cup games and a Premier League match as well. Yeah, I was at um, the track to see um, North and Bells um, fight it out for a place in either the second round or the quarterfinals. Nobody knows because everything remains up in the air regarding this year's Jeremy Cup and also the WeWay. Um, both the Jersey FA and Guernsey FA have decided to leave it a while to see how the COVID situation pans out and whether inter-island travel, easy inter-island travel, I suppose, is viable. Um, so, um, yeah, at the moment... Teams are going through, but they don't know where they're going through to. Um, add that to the fact that the Jeremy Cup itself <laughs> remains missing. I suppose we're going to have to get um, some of the... Um, perhaps Bergerac needs to get on the job down in Jersey and find out where it is. Because um, it's quite... The Jersey police uh, so far seems to have uh, drawn a blank there. Um, yes. It's all very, very frustrating. It's probably the most mysterious tournament that's ever been played in Guernsey football history. No one knows exactly what they're playing for, what they might claim at the end of it. It really is bizarre. It really is bizarre. And um, it, it's, it's such a shame. It's a bit of a dampener, to be honest. Um, but hopefully it'll all come out in the end. I'm sure. And just talk us through then what happened. Anything stand out in terms of performance? I have to say the game at the track between Bells and North was not a classic. Um, It finished um, in a pretty exciting fashion, but to be honest, a lot of the game was pretty poor. Um, Both sides were missing a few key players um, and were rejigged as a result. North were really, really disappointing in the first half. You expected them, you know, with their with their new with their signings this year and their youngsters that they would really push on. And um, but they were really, really off the boil in the first forty-five minutes. Two um, 0 down very early on. Came back in the second half, um, but Bell's with Dave Merris urging them on from in the stand, which has now got um, its stainless steel. Over over the main air seating area, but there's no um, roof as such yet. That's probably going to go on next week, I'm told. Um, they were they defended very 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 well, uh, looked really organised, and um, and managed to get through. Yeah, so Bells beat North two one. We also had uh, Velrec um, taking out Sylvans three one. Yeah, I'm not. So, I was pleased to hear that in many ways. I mean, not that I wanted Sylvans to go out of the competition but I thought Valerie were a bit unlucky the previous week when the two sides met the Corbett Field um, in the league and um, obviously they they played well again there and got their um, got their dues so fair play to Craig Tyrrell and the lads and St Martin's already safely through from earlier in the week 4-2 winners against the Rangers and we had one Premier League game as well Rovers 3-0 winners um, away at Rangers on Saturday afternoon yeah Rovers were heavily um, shorter players um, due to Blair, Blair Howitt's winning um, and they were a shock seemed in store when it was 0-0 at half time but Rovers came through in the end. Max Simpson Cohen got another goal. There was even a goal for a defender Ben Latoc and the youngster Ben Straker. 
and off the field, a bit of movement this weekend as well. The back page story um, picking up on uh, Kez Mahon's move from Manza to North. Yeah, all last week we were hearing whispers that um, Kez Mahon was likely to depart Manza and head back to one of his old clubs, uh, Northfield. And indeed he has. Um, Mark Romwell confirmed that at the weekend. There is talk of um, other Manza players departing and possibly heading to North. But I, those um, rumours were shot down by um, by Mark Rumrell, who said no, they were staying with us. Um, so Manza live on for a while, anyway. For another week at least. Uh, clearly, the situation with Guernsey FC will have a massive bearing on what happens with them this season. And we know now, or at least it looks like now that Guernsey FC will be starting their season in October. All things being well, because you know the situation can and probably will change between now and then. Well, let's hope so, um, Tony. And you know, but they're going to have a lot to make, a lot of games to make up, aren't they? And um, so it's not going to be easy. Um, we shall see. How do you rate Manza's chances then of, of continuing at this point, given that, you know, they already are very short of players? For a senior player, like this, could this be the straw that breaks the camel's back? Well, I've no new information. I mean, it's encouraging to hear that those other lads are staying with them. But who knows? Um, a, one positive sign, and it's only a small positive sign, is that their second team um, played at the weekend in Lancaster 1 and won. They beat Rangers, um, and of course they'd given a walkover the previous weekend in that same division. So it seems their reserve team were able to get a get eleven men out on 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 Sunday. So that's something. Um, how it's going to go, you know, once injuries kick in, as I say, if GFC does start up, um, how they can feel two sides, I don't know. I don't know. It, but fingers crossed, because none of us want to see um, a team moved on. A lot for the Premier League in their short short time in the league go to um, go to the wall, but again it's it doesn't seem too encouraging. But fingers crossed, it'll work out in the end. Yeah, and they're set to go to St Martin's on Friday night. Bells against Wreck is the other Friday night game uh, coming up, and a couple of games on Saturday. Rangers hosting Alderney, their first uh, outing of the season. Uh, and Sylvans host North in the other game on Saturday afternoon, probably the pick of the, the games. The yeah, weekend. that should be a cracker, that one. Well, that's it for part one. Uh, coming up next, we'll be hearing all about the new Women's Football League set to start up under the Guernsey Ladies FC banner. Welcome back to the Guernsey Press Football Show. Now, it's been nearly five years since the island's women had the chance to play local league football, but that could all be about to change, and quite quickly too. A new four-team draft competition is being developed by Guernsey Ladies FC. I caught up with their head coach and Guernsey rep manager Richard Sutton and former Marathi player Katie Watson to find out more. Welcome to the pod, guys. Thanks for coming in on a bank holiday Monday morning. Uh, much appreciated. Um, yeah, exciting times by the sounds of it then for women's football in the island after a few years in the doldrums in terms of league football at least. Um, Richard, just explain the concept um, that you're trying to get off the ground here. Well, we we were having some success in the Channel Islands League two years ago and uh, the popularity, basically, of ladies' football was growing all, all, um, and COVID has put pay to that. So we decided to start our own league um, about four or five weeks ago and uh, fill our fixtures up with uh, local games. So basically, we're going to grow four new clubs and start a brand new league. Yeah, it's great to hear. And just explain how it's going to work then. This is under the banner of Guernsey Ladies FC, which has existed for a few years now. 
Yeah, well, basically, Guernsey Ladies FC is the only uh, affiliated club on the island. So with all the players that come to train with us, we're going to get them all to register for a new league and basically put them all into one big, great big pot and do a draft uh, selection. So we'll have an end up with four clubs all under one banner and uh, the four coaches who currently work with us at GLFC will uh, come and be coaches and the four most experienced players who register will be the four captains. Fantastic. And Katie, you've been playing for a little while. Uh, yeah. Former Marathi player, of course, and, uh, and still going. How exciting does this sound to you? How enthused are you about the, about the potential for this project? Yeah, definitely. It's, um, it's really exciting. I first started playing sort of late 90s, early 2000s, and we had a league of eight, eight teams at that time. So um, that was really good. And then obviously it's all, all folded since then. Um, but to get something up and running, to give girls a competitive um, league will be brilliant. It's quite a contrast, isn't it, then to, as you say, to when you started playing with eight sides against the backdrop of sort of nationally, internationally, women's football kind of exploding in popularity in, in prestige and in sort of promotion, I guess. Um, yeah, is it kind of hard to understand how it got to this stage? Um, yeah, I think so. I'm, you know, I think there's quite a few players out there that will sort of look at it and go, what went wrong? Um, but I think definitely over the last couple of years with the growth of the um, game in the UK, and the girls that are now training with Guernsey ladies, we've definitely seen a growth in, in girls wanting to come and play. So that's brilliant. And especially young players as well um, wanting to come in and play. So Yeah, does this feel like, uh, it, you know, it could be a bit of a watershed moment that the, the sort of the corner will have been turned and, you know, you can look ahead to a sort of brighter future for competitive women's football here? Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, with the likes of Mayo and now Sydney going going to the UK, um, hopefully that will inspire those younger ones to come through and be part of it in the future so that every year we're getting four or five players coming through to filter into these senior sides. As Richard said, the players will be drafted from the, the pool of players that are training with Guernsey Ladies FC. Uh, what, what's the sort of mood like in that in that training group at the moment? You know, is it, do you feel like you get four good sides out of it? I think so. We've definitely got some very good players in that group. So um, hopefully we'll come out with four quality teams. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. And Richard, uh, our colleague Harry Jones um, covered the story last week uh, for us in the paper. Um, what's your reaction been like since then? Because I know you, you're looking for, for, for more players to come forward to, to bolster the ranks. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when I spoke to Harry, we had low 20s. I think we had 25 players at that point who had signed on. Uh, we're nearing 40 now. Um, and we get more and more inquiries every day. So we had three or four more players at training last week. We've got the promise of three or four new faces again coming this week. And every Wednesday night when we do train, we've got over, we're, you know, we're coming up back up to 20, train, to, turning up to train, looking like we could be over 20 this week. So uh, the numbers are growing. And if everybody can get behind it and we can get more people to sign up and, and, and register for the league, then I can only see it being, being a great thing for ladies football on the island. Yeah, and your sort of dual role, yeah, running this uh, GLFC and, and, and looking to get the league off the ground, but also the island representative coach as well. And hopefully we'll, we'll have the return of the Marathi as well to look forward to at some point in the not too distant future, fingers crossed, uh, next year. Um, how important a step is this, you know, is the league's formation in terms of moving things forward, I guess, in terms of Marathi stuff, but also just generally? Yeah, it's massive. Um, we can train every week and until the end of time, but unless there's competitive football and something to aim for, then players will drop out and think, well, what's the point? 
you know, we've we've done some formation work, we've done some playing out from the back, we've done some defensive shapes, and then you go, well, where are we going to practice this? What can we do? So competitive football on the island is crucial. And they've got um, yeah, slightly more developed setup in Jersey at the moment on the, the women's side. Um, I think four teams um, playing in the league. And obviously, you know, as we, you said before, a couple of Guernsey sides were playing against them in the, in the Channel Islands League not too long ago. Um, is that the sort of stage? Obviously, it'll be a different setup, you know, as you said, not, not affiliated to clubs, you know, draft, sort of draft setup. But is the ambition to kind of get on par with Jersey pretty quickly in that sense? Well, the aim is to be competitive in the Island Games in 23. That's been my goal since I started back in 2016. So until uh, we get to that point where we can compete and maybe get out, get out of our group in the Island Games, that's, uh, that's the goal. And has the two-year delay uh, sort of helped or hindered that process? I think it's hindered the process because, uh, like I said, we'd just reached the point with GLFC where we'd, we'd managed to get into the Channel Islands Cup final. Um, and we were due to play Roselle in the Cup final um, just before the uh, lockdown started. So at that point, I think we were nearing 30 every week for training. And then when we came back, initially there was high 20s again and, and slowly, because there's nothing to aim for and no fixtures on the horizon and no way of getting off the island, and it slowly dwindled back down towards the mid-teens every week. Um, and then recently, as the news of possible league, a new league coming about, uh, the numbers are growing again. So there's players out there who want to play, but they want to play football. You know, they don't want to come to train every, training every week. And we put on a couple of scratch 11 aside games and got sort of 30 players out each time to come and play at the track. So the desire to play is there. We just need the fixtures. And obviously, yeah, this league um, setup will aid that immensely. Katie, you'll be in the, the draft pot for the, for the league? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've already got my registration in. So, yeah, hopefully... Um being part, part, <laughs> be part of one of the teams. Good to hear. And have you got one eye on the Marathi in the Island Games in 23, or is that stretched too far? I think I might be a bit old by then. <laughs> um, no, that, like we were saying before, I've um, Rich originally got me involved to help on the coaching side, so maybe that's something. Um, maybe that's something I can get back involved in for the for the Marathi and Island Games when that comes about. And, and Richard said, you know, the aim is to be competitive, um, I guess competitive with Jersey and Marathi and, and competitive at an Island Games as well in, in a couple of years' time. What's your sense of, of how things are shaping up on that front? Have we got a good pool of players that, that can do just that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I've been lucky enough to go to a few Island Games and seen the standard of the other women's teams across the islands and we've got more than enough to, to, to be competitive. Yeah. Definitely. Hmm. We've got some great youngsters coming through. You know, everybody's more than happy with Sydney go going off to Brighton, but I can probably think of another four that, that are around, uh, coming up to that standard, you know. We've got some great youngsters coming through, really are. That's incredibly exciting. And the, obviously, yeah, Mayor and Sydney, you know, blazing the trail there. Um, but do you feel like there is a big opportunity for, for girls in the island to, you know, that, that, that's out there now that they can go and grasp like those two have? Absolutely. You know, if we can get this league up and running and get it pairing and ticking along, then there's 13, 14-year-old girls out there who are currently playing football locally who want to play in a ladies' league and they want to aspire to be part of our senior setup. You know, I'm lucky enough to, in another role that I've got, to coach the island under-11s. And uh, recently we had Chloe Ingrall, who scored the winning goal in the Marathi, which is the first girl ever to score in the Marathi under-11 under level. And she's currently playing alongside the boys. But every time we had a GLFC fixture, she was there in the crowd cheering us along. 
and and she's desperate to be part of the setup when she gets to 16 so and i think that that's part of it isn't it as well you've got we've got these girls that we've got um obviously sydney's gone away we've got um i know at sylvan's we've got two girls that play in the age group um stuff and under 15 and then under 16 but they can play age group stuff with the boys until they get to 18 now what happens to them after that at the moment they come training with us there's there's actually no football for them once they get past 18 so um i think it's really really important at the moment to to get this league up and running for those girls as well well it'll be really exciting to see it just give us the timeline richard how quickly are you looking to get this going as quick as possible really um the, the quicker that we get to a number of players where i think we can make four teams out of that then great we're, we're up and running and we'll get, get going as soon as possible Hopefully early October, um, but really, if we can get even going at the end of September, we'll get some games going. Fantastic. Well, it's great to see uh, the ambition there to, to make things happen so swiftly because it is, uh, yeah, I think many people agree, long overdue that, 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 you know, that this step is taken. So uh, best of luck with it. Thanks very much for coming in. Pleasure. Cheers, guys. Best of luck, Katie, on the pitch as well. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to seeing you out there and, uh, yeah, we'll um, look forward to covering it. Thank you. Cheers. Guernsey Ladies FC head coach Richard Sutton and Katie Watson will be playing in that new league speaking to me uh, just before and they really want to hear from players who are keen to get involved still and there is time guernseyladiesfootball at gmail.com is the place to register your interest look forward to following uh, that league get off the ground and and, uh, yeah all the best to them it is long overdue Rob that we should have a women's league in Guernsey indeed um, yeah I remember back in the glory years when it was summer football Blanche Pierre Lane you know, it was really, really um, a big thing. Um, there was no shortage of players. In those days, we walloped Jersey year after year. And um, Sylvans, I still remember, were the, um, were the, I was going to say king pins, but they wouldn't be king pins, would they be? The queen pins. And um, I also remember vaguely the Knickers United before that, you know, um, they, they were on the leading sides in the very early days of women's football. But no, women's the women's game really does need a revival. Um, you know, especially when you see what's happened with Maya Letitia becoming professional, and then Sydney Schreimeyer um, following her at Brighton. Um, um, there are some good young t- girls coming through. That side of the sport is developing really well at the young in the younger age groups. So, but they need to come through somewhere. And um, working under the GFA banner, it's. Um, Let's hope it works. Yeah, it sounds like the motivation is there and motivation to, to get something going pretty quickly. So, uh, yeah, we'll be following uh, the progress closely here on the Guernsey Press Football Show and I'm sure as well in the pages of the Guernsey Press. So uh, stay tuned for more on that. Now, before we uh, finish up for today, um, I popped along to see, uh, uh, well, I'd say someone who was at the centre of one of the most famous kind of stories, most famous months in, in English football history uh, on Friday night. Duncan McKenzie uh, was over for a speaking engagement, um, I think to help launch uh, Dr. Raymond Ashton's new uh, booklet, looking at some of the uh, history of Don Revy at, at Leeds United. Uh, Duncan McKenzie, uh, the, I think the first player, or at least you know, uh, you know, signed by Brian Clough uh, during his infamous 44-day reign at Leeds United. Uh, Rob, you remember that well, and, and particularly the film that sort of, I guess, immortalised it for a, a new generation. I remember it well, and Duncan, Duncan well for his um, for, for for his time at joining Chelsea. I remember shortly after that, um, it, 
it was a time when my my favourite club, of course, were heading towards sliding slowly towards the third division, <laughs> really, really struggling. And I need I noticed that Duncan played fifteen times for the Blues, um, scored four goals, um, and that was only a few years, two or three years after that short period where he was at Leeds United playing under Brian Clough. Um, and uh, I, I'm not sure which um, actor played him in the film The Dam, but I still think The Dam is the, the, the best sports film I've ever seen, and I, I could watch it most days. It's very, very funny, um, and um, show how football used to be. Um, but um, no, Tim um, Duncan was a really um, skillful player, and um, really sort of under Nottingham Forest in between 1969 and 74, he was you know scored basically every third game for sure and then um he didn't do bad at Leeds to be fair you know um, 27 goals and 66 appearances but then it just gradually just slipped away and as I say after Chelsea he had a, well before they had a spell at Everton then he went to Blackburn Rovers and ended up playing in the USA with Tulsa Roughnecks and Chicago Sting um he was always sort of remember he was quite a clever footballer, and when I see the, the dam, there didn't seem to be many clever footballers amongst the, <laughs> the Leeds contingent at the time. They seemed to be want to kick most things, and um, and I was with Brian on that one to be honest. They they did need cleaning up. Uh, dirtiest side ever, I I reckon. Well, I, uh, as I say, I caught up with Duncan um, when he was here. Yeah, re- really nice guy, really engaging uh, character, certainly a well-travelled footballer, as you say, and um, uh, yeah, with some great stories from that time. Anyway, I had a quick chat with him. Here it is. Um, began by asking him about his first trip to Guernsey, actually, many years ago. Welcome back to Guernsey, Duncan. Uh, you're saying before, you've been before. Talk us through your first experience at Guernsey. Well, that was, it was wonderful. 1959, I was nine years of age. I came over... Oddly enough, it was a Catholic priest that was, he was brilliant in the world of football. He brought six teams from Grimsby in Lincolnshire over to the Channel Islands and we played in Jersey and in Guernsey. And uh, as a nine-year-old, our team was obviously called the Under-10s and we played a, 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 a Guernsey Select 11 and we actually won 9-0. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Guernsey listeners do apologise. There's probably some people of a certain age who uh, are sort of scarred from that day still. I would have thought so. There'd be plenty about I would have, I would have thought. I would hope they are anyway. Well, welcome back. Hopefully the sun was shining back then as well like it is here today. Um, just tell us why, you, why you're here then uh, on this visit. Well, um, I'm here for Dr. Raymond Ashton. I mean, he's, he's launching um, what was a booklet about Leeds United and about the period when I played for them, uh, around about the European Cup time. And, of course, the, um, the, the enigmatic character that was Brian Clough, who signed me for Leeds United from Nottingham Forest uh, for an alarming amount of money at the time. And, uh, you know, it, it was... It was an experience. It was difficult. It was very difficult. And Leeds were not prone to accepting strangers into their midst. And I found it very difficult to get in. And after a while, they accepted me. And then you become one of them. And uh, and that was it. And they're ready to point the finger and attack the next signing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you actually uh, endured longer than... Uh than Brian Clough. Um, clearly, it's an infamous story, isn't it, in, in, in British football and English football. What was it like on the ground at that time? It was, it was, it was odd. I mean, I, do you know, I've, I've always thought he had a plan. I always thought the reason, I mean, 
He'd gone from Derby, he was sacked from Derby. He's gone down to Brighton with Peter Taylor, who was his partner. They were in the fourth division, as it was in those days, one, two, three and four. And he was offered the Leeds job, quite remarkably, by Manny Cousins, who was the chairman of Leeds. Leeds were the champions of England. What do you do? You don't turn that sort of opportunity down. Clough didn't. Taylor was suspicious and he thought he knew the flack that was coming and refused to go with him. And Cluffy came to Leeds and he, oh, he was met with tirades from the fans, the backroom staff, the players, the coaches. They all hated him and didn't, didn't accept him at all. And he knew he was not going to be accepted. I, this is why I think this was all a little bit contrived, you know. I mean, 44 days later, um, I'm in the room when basically he's sacked. And uh, it, it cost Leeds a lot of money to pay him off. And a few months later, he got the job at Nottingham Forest, and the rest <laughs> is history, really. You know, he went on and won the league, won two European Cups, um, and was absolutely... Ma- he was an amazing person. He was an amazing person. I- I'll give you a, a quick um, story of Brian Clough. Um, uh, he- I made my debut for Leeds United in the Charity Shield at Wembley. And for those enough old enough to remember, it was when Keegan and Bremner had a f- big fight in the middle of the pitch and both got sent off. Well, that was, that was my debut. And just be, before that debut, of course, I'd, I'd come from Nottingham Forest. I didn't have a shilling. I was absolutely barassic. <laughs> so I had the audacity, if you like, to go to, to great Brian Clough and nervously said, um, uh, boss, um, um, any, 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 any sort of ch- chance of um, t- two tickets for the game? Um, what on earth do you want with complimentary tickets, young man? I said it's for me mum and dad. Hey, rule number one. If your mother and father won't pay to see you play, how do you expect anybody else to? <laughs> so you can imagine, you yeah. know, that was my first actual sort of one-to-one with, with the great man. He was, he, he, he was a genius in many respects. Yeah, know. tough love by the sounds of it. Um, what, yeah, what, what, you know, obviously the story was kind of immortalised in... in, in in a, in a book and a sort of film as well a few years ago. Why do you think it's been such a, uh, a kind of infamous sort of moment in English football history? Well, I, I, to begin with, um, I think everyone that was a football fan in, in Britain at the time knew that Brian Clough should have been the England manager. But the FA being what they are, you know, weak and snivelling people, usually they, <laughs> they were petrified of him. And they knew that he had, had he been given the job, that he would have totally dominated and run the game and probably <laughs> put them out of business, uh, and which he would have done. Um, he was he was so clever. I mean, he didn't he didn't coach. He didn't coach. But uh, you you know what life's all about. If you delegate, you delegate the right people. That's that's the art of being successful. Clough did that, and uh, he bought the right people as well. And he. Wonderful Latte, he was, he was incredible. He, he wouldn't let you have long hair. Um, you had to have a, uh, your shirt tucked into your shorts. You had to have your, your socks pulled up and neatly attired. Uh, you, and he, he demanded that. Um, he never, ever, ever um, complained about a referee. He just accepted everything that was in the game of football. Um, he, he, in many respects, he was a, a, a genteel sort of person in that respect. But, boy, oh boy, was he sharp, was he clever, was he able to sort of sort things out? Um, and 
you know, really, I think if he had a nous about him that, that could keep his players under control at all times. And yeah, you've um, since you stopped playing, you've been uh, in the world of media and sport media covering covering the game. Is there someone? Uh, he's ever kind of come close to his level in terms of that, those sort of idiosyncrasies and it, it, the way he did things. And I, no, to be honest with you, I don't. I think there's many tried to tried to have copied him. You know, they, I, I think of people like Barry Fry, who's a great character. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that that type of person. But no, not really. Um, uh, Alex Ferguson idolised Brian Clough. He thought he was. He, he thought he was. An absolutely incredible manager, you know. Uh, but he would never try and copy him because that wasn't his style. Um, Clough, he was just so clever with what he did, and and he had he had a, a unique response to anybody that was you know not towing the line. Um, he, I mean, there was one incident with um, Larry Lloyd and Archie Gemmell um, did an interview with the TV, and, and when they came off, Clough turned around and said, mm, "Nice interview. You both find next week's wages <laughs> in- incorrectly dressed." Yeah. And so Archie Gemmell's gone, "Do you, you touch my money? You said I'll be hitting you with a hammer over your head." Larry, Gro- Larry Net Lloyd never said a word. On the Friday, Archie Gemmell got paid. Larry didn't. So Larry came in on the Saturday fuming, he's kicked the door in, he's upset everybody in the dressing room prior to the game against QPR. And then uh, the coach has gone into Clough and said, Brian, you've got to do something. So Larry is going berserk here. He said, we've got no chance of beating Queen's Park Rangers. The attitude is starting there. So Clough came into the dressing room and he said, hey, young man, I believe you want your wages. Answer a simple question, you've got them. He said, what, what's that? He said, who was it? They got capped for England twice on the same day. He said, I'm not having that, boss. That couldn't possibly have happened. He said, oh, yes, it did, young man. It was you, your first and your last. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that was I mean, that was just impromptu. Yeah. And, and all these things were, um, you know, and it takes all your time to remember some of these, uh, some of these stories, but he was... Um, I, I liked him. Yeah. I really liked him. I, I would go and see him at Nottingham Forest even when I was still playing for Leeds. And, um, you know, you were always welcome. And he kept desperately hard to try and sign me back to Forest. But I was never going to go. I mean, there was a saying in football time, never go back where you've been loved. And, you know, and I thought, well, what can I do? I, I left Forest and I was like, you know, they, they, they treat me wonderfully. And I thought, yeah. Yeah, there's nowhere to go, only down. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, so, you know, don't, don't go there. Um, well, someone who's not learnt that is Cristiano Ronaldo, because it sounds like he's on his way back to, to Man United today. What, what, I mean, it's just money, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, when you um, think about your experiences in the game and compare it to, to today, when we're talking about this kind of... It's, it's a different world, is it not? It is. It is totally different. But it's a bizarre world now with, with football. Um, I don't envy the footballers at all. For all, all the money that they, they earn and what they're getting... Um, they, they've, there's no life. There's no life to them. They can't go out. They can't do anything. Um, they lock themselves inside their four or five million pound houses. You know, and I, I just, you know, that that's that's fine. But I mean, I could go for a pint with the, with the punters. That that was a beautiful thing. You know, I had a life. I could go walk down the street and you know, people would just say hello, Dunk, how are you doing? Yeah, I say, oh, smashing. Thanks very much. And 
that was it. It was uh, it was wonderful. Well, we'd better let you go because I think the yeah, uh, there's some people in there that are looking forward to hearing some tales yeah. from that life. So, Duncan, thanks so much for spending some time. It's a pleasure. Thank you. That was Duncan McKenzie talking to me uh, there on Friday night. Very nice to, to spend a few minutes with him. Uh, well, Rob, thanks very much for your time this morning. Um, bit of football to look forward to this week. Uh, and, yeah, lots to keep an eye on over the coming weeks as well. Yeah, um, I think you know, the Premier League is, is going to slowly develop and we'll see who who are really the front runners. And um, hopefully we'll have some exciting news on the Guernsey FC front in the, in the, in the near future. And also, you never know, we might find the Jeremy Cup. Well, thanks very much, Rob. Cheers for that. We'll see you on Thursday for the general sports show, the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast in this feed. Watch out for that then. Uh, Otherwise, have a good week and thanks for listening. (laughs) 